Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Today, I'll be speaking with Jessica Bell. Jessica Bell is a host, youth advocate, CASA advocate, entrepreneur, ministry school graduate, and teacher in Kansas City, Missouri. Jessica began her career in youth advocacy almost 10 years ago in Los Angeles. Her experience as a mentor has opened the door to allow her to speak up for the youth and communities who have been muted. She has been able to speak host events, and connect with people from all walks of life, and to encourage them through her blogging, public speaking, and her podcast, Unmute Your Mic. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 6, verse 33. So welcome everybody to this episode. I am so blessed to know today's guest. Her name is Jessica Bell. And a few weeks ago, I had the honor of being on her wonderful podcast called Unmute Your Mic, which I love that title. And Jessica is such a champion for youth and for children in hard places and We talked about that on her podcast, and I was able to educate her audience about FASD awareness and and what we're doing with FASD Hope. And as soon as we were done, first of all, we both know this was a divine orchestration. We both know that that the Lord put us in each other's paths, um, and we totally acknowledge that, and we will continue to acknowledge that. But before I finish this longest intro ever, um, (laughs) (laughs) Jessica, um, when, after we stopped um, our interview, I told her, I was like, you have to be on FASD Hope because I want you to share what you do and to give your perspective of why it's so important that the people you work with and the professionals you work with and and the people um, that are in your, your professional circles um, know about FASD and how we can help them. So longest intro ever, Jessica Bell, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you so much. And I just want to thank you again for asking me to be on your platform. It was such a blessing when you were on mine. So I'm just excited for this conversation. I know God is going to continue to use both of us. And like you said, it was so divinely orchestrated us, you know, coming together and even having a conversation. So I'm really excited about today. Me too. Thank you so much again. And you're the guest. So now you're on the other side of the mic. So I love that. I love that. So let's talk about, we know that the Lord placed us in each other's lives. I was on your podcast. You're on my podcast. We, we will be talking about collaborating in the future and, and, and just moving forward, but let's talk about what led you to where you're at today in your professional background. So um, I actually, my professional background, so I am a teacher, um, but I also work with at-risk youth. Um, And so I actually started in church. Uh, My church 
when I was about 18, was doing a, a prison ministry. And so we started going into prisons and ministering to the, to the people who were there. And so my heart just got really heavy. And I was like, man, I really wish I could reach youth before they got to this point. And so that led, led me to start doing juvenile detention ministry. And so I started going into juvenile detention centers and doing Bible studies and um, just you know, talking to them, I was, I started doing one-on-one -on -one counseling. I got um, trained in trauma-informed care. So I was able to really, you know, meet them where they were at. And I kind of just kept peeling back the layers. When I was in juvenile detention, I said, man, I really wish I could reach them before they got here. And so now I teach two-year-olds, <laughs> um, really just trying to catch them really early. But I just, I kind of realized at each step of the way that there needed to be somebody who could intervene to prevent them from getting to a place where they're maybe in prison for 25 years um, because there's a lot between birth and that. And so um, that's really what led me there. Everything was God ordained. Um, I, I just have a heart to go to the, to the places and love the people that everyone kind of looks at like, eh, and those tend to be the people that God calls me to. So it's truly a blessing. Absolutely. We know that you're going to the places that most people run away from. And, and we know in FASD, there is such a disproportionate amount of people that have an FASD that are in prison or juveniles that are in juvenile detention or who have been involved in the juvenile system. In fact, it, it's staggering when we think about it. And what you're doing is you're really going to the place where it's all starting, which I think is such a blessing. You're, you're working with the youngest to say, okay, this is where we need to start to stop this cycle, or at least to slow down this cycle until we can get a more systemic, you know, solution going. So I, I just praise that. I love that, Jessica, that, that makes me as a mom feel so blessed knowing that you saw this situation that you, and you were like, you know what, I think I have to go back further. I think I have to go back further. So that's, that's wonderful. So let's talk about um, where you're at now, because we spoke about that on your, uh, when I was on your podcast, let's talk about the work that you're currently doing. So I'm currently um, a teacher now. I teach two-year-olds, so two-year-olds and three-year-olds. And so I really just, I started doing this a couple of years ago. And so what it really is, is that I am teaching them just the foundations of life, right? Um, but along the way, I've realized I've had a lot of the, the younger kids that I've, that have come through my program that have suffered with like ADD and ADHD, and they need that one-on-one -on -one care, uh, which is part of the reason why I got uh, trained in trauma-informed care, because I knew that in my community, there were a lot of children who had dealt with a high amount of trauma. And so a lot of the teachers didn't know how to address it. And so it was a whole lot of just guesswork. And I really wanted to uh, eliminate that. And so that's why I got into teaching. And so that's what I'm currently doing now. And that's something we discussed that, you know, you were telling me how quite a few of your students have ADHD and, and those comorbid diagnoses. And we talked about how that is, that's an accurate diagnosis, but when you are working with kids who are at risk and who, you know, either their parents have been either incarcerated or they've been through trauma or they're in foster care 
there is an 80% chance that that child has been exposed to alcohol when, when that child was, you know, before he or she was born. So that's where I really kind of jumped on that conversation with you about, you know, how to make the teachers and, and the people in your school more aware of FASD so that they could say, okay, well, this child was diagnosed with ADHD or, or something else but let's rule out FASD because we know that FASD and ADHD, they may look the same, but they're, they're not when, especially when we go down that road of adolescence, adulthood, et cetera, et cetera. So that is amazing. So what do you want to start see happening like in your school and in other schools that are related to yours And in programs that you work with, what would you like to see happening in terms of like FASD awareness and education? Well, definitely for FASD awareness, I would love to see some training start to take place. I mean, I'm even embarrassed to say that before the conversation we had, that was something that I had never even thought about. Um, You know, when we go, even when we went through like our basic training that we did to, you know, become a teacher or to get certified and all of that, there was not one mention of it. It was kind of just like the kids, they're either on the spectrum or they have ADD or ADHD or they have autism or they they have high trauma or maybe they were um, uh, drugs, but that really was what they mostly focused on. And so I would love for there to be some type of mandatory training that have to take place because it is really difficult as a teacher to see a child struggling and have no idea how to address it. And it's not fair to the child because we're trying to do guesswork, trying to say, well, let's try this. Well, let's try that. And though it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, we're not addressing the core issue. And so they're not truly going to get the education that they deserve. And that's heartbreaking as somebody who is truly a youth advocate that is a heartbreaking thing to watch. And so I would love for there to be, uh, you know, more conversations, more training so that we can be able to identify what it looks like, or even like you said, be able to rule it out. So then we can go find what is the issue instead of us just saying, oh, we think they have ADD or ADHD. And like you said, they may have that, but it may not just be that. And so I would love for there to be you know, a seminar, I would love to go to a workshop and really just get more educated so that I can take it back to my school and say, hey, these are some of the things I learned and identify some of the children that maybe look like they may be struggling with that so that we can, you know, get them tested and get them on the right path so that they, so that they can succeed. And here is the silver lining, one of the many silver linings that have resulted in technology as a result of COVID is that most of these trainings now are available online so that you and your staff and anybody else in the community can watch them. And they can be as simple as starting out with like a one hour intro to FASD 101, you know, webinar, um, you know, which I'm going to send you some links and, and I will post these links on our program notes today, but they can start out with those all the way up to like, you know, six week in-depth trainings, you know, um, these, because of COVID, these that used, these trainings that used to be only in person or maybe in person and sometimes online 
are now 100% online. So this is accessibility for you and for um, anybody out there who's listening, who works with kids. You know, I believe that you are probably one of my first guests that you work with a very specialized area in, in working with youth. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking about this to you because I know there are other people out there listening who think, okay, you know what, how do I do this for my child's teacher? Or how do I do this for, you know, my, my student, you know, if I'm a teacher. So I think the first thing that needs to happen is while we are waiting and praying for national legislation to, to come through, which I talked about on, on your, um, your wonderful show, look at these wonderful opportunities that are being available that are available to to people out there. You know, some of them cost like as little as $10. Some of them are free and then some of them cost more. But again, getting that training and getting that awareness as an educator, as a professional, especially as an advocate is so important. And I'm, I'm just so thankful and so blessed that, that you, you know, you have that desire to do that for your school now and for those kids. So when we were talking on your show, we were talking about, I think you were telling me about one little boy you were thinking of that you had suspected he had an FASD because of, you know, the history and because of his symptoms and because of those things. Before we start talking more about um, supports and things like that, tell me about what kinds of therapies, what kinds of things does your school offer currently for kids like that who have complex needs? Basically, right now, we were only offering a couple of things, one of them being uh, trauma uh, counseling. So if we know that a child's been exposed to a high amount of trauma, they can get one-on-one counseling. Um, The other one was more so uh, trainings, uh, like specific trainings and talks to them regarding if they have ADD or ADHD. Uh, The way we teach them is adjusted so that it can be more understandable, they can understand it more. But we didn't have a whole lot of things in place, which also leads me to like, I also taught, um, I taught conflict resolution at another school as well um, last year. And so I realized that so many of those kids where they thought they were just giving me kids that had trauma, it wasn't just trauma. There was actual things that were going on. So I feel like a lot of schools just put the bandaid on it of kind of say like, oh, this child has a lot of trauma in their life. Or this child is very hyperactive. And so there are not a whole lot of separate trainings that they give them, especially in like the public school system, outside of trying to put them on like a, uh, an individual learning plan, which even then, like we talked about on my podcast, that's not always addressing the core issue. And so at my school, we don't have a ton of resources. It's just, it's just kind of like, oh, they might have ADHD. Like this is the this is how we teach kids who we think have ADHD. Oh, they might have trauma. Send them to the counselor during their off, you know, their off period. But other than that, um, and that's and I would say, unfortunately, that's common for the public school system. Yeah, and what is happening, and what we talked about is there's band aids going on. It's almost like a silo effect where okay, you have ADHD, this is what we do here. You have trauma, this is what we do here. Rather than what you and I spoke about was okay, FASD and and prenatal alcohol exposure, prenatal drug exposure changes the brain. 
particularly alcohol. We know it's the most dramatic out of all of them. So if the brain is changed, that's trauma before birth. And we, we spoke about that. So that has to be addressed first and foremost, because that is a brain-based disability. And if a disability is causing A, B, and C, then we need to go to the root cause rather than put all these band-aids on A, B, and C. Yeah. So that was that wonderful conversation we had about, you know, okay, how do we get this ball rolling? Because this is not working. You know, so again, I'm just praying that what we spoke about, you know, systemic support legislation, national legislation, people just really acknowledging this is the bigger issue. This is the bigger problem. This is why these kids, no matter how many band-aids you put on them, this is why they, they go down this path if they're not being accommodated you know, if they're, if their symptoms are not being accommodated and if they're being seen as quote unquote bad kids, which is another thing you and I talked about too, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of labels slapped on these, these kids that, you know, Oh, they're bad kids or ODD or ADHD, but yet has anybody ruled out prenatal alcohol exposure, prenatal drug exposure, you know, especially FASD. So I I'm really thankful that we're getting this conversation going. And, and I'm really praying that just teachers out there, if you are a parent, send this podcast to your teacher. You know, if, if you're a teacher, share this podcast. If you're like Jessica and, and you're in the trenches and you're in, you know, a school that has kids that are highly suspected of having an FASD, then let's get this moving. Let's get this started because can't wait anymore. And you know, and I know that the longer you wait, the worse the repercussions are, especially yeah. in a public school setting or in a larger setting, you know, they they just kind of fall through the cracks, you know, they fall between the, the cracks. Yeah, they definitely do. So let's talk about the kind of systemic supports that you think that the kids that you work with, and, and even thinking about like, you know, the, the juveniles that you work with and, and down the road, what kind of systemic supports. So let's like brainstorm, you know, this is like, if, if we, you know, if somebody like said, okay, here you go, here's the funding. Let's talk about the systemic supports that we think would be needed. So we addressed one, you know, obviously FASD education, FASD awareness, you know, better trauma education, you know, there is that trauma component, but also knowing that prenatal trauma adds to that you know, adds to that lived experience trauma. What other things do you think can really help these kids that you're working with? Um, well, kind of like what we said, you know, on top of all of us being educated about it, we then have to know how to, once we get that education, how to apply it. Um, because I can know, but if I don't know exactly, you know, how to go and teach how to specifically provide, um, how to make it uh, so that the children actually feel a difference and they don't feel like they're being ostracized or like, hey, we now we just have a FASD classroom and they all go over there. Like there has to be a way where they can still be able to be taught um, to where they don't feel like they're on this separate island. And that takes a, that's not always easy for the teachers to do. Um, and so I think, and uh, then that would also come with funding that would come with funding so that we have the resources available to be able to help them like we can, because a lot of 
us in public schools, we are on very limited funding. Um, even I know as a teacher, a lot of the things that we do in our classroom are things are the teachers going out with their own paychecks and buying certain books because they want their children to read a certain book. So adding another element in there would just be more cost for a teacher to say, okay, now, you know, I have this child that's struggling with this. Now I need to get this, that, and a third. So they're really being the funding behind it so that we can provide the things necessary so that those children can thrive in that environment. Um, that's going to be the main thing, you know, and then making sure that if the teacher is trained, that, that they have the ability to teach them. And if they don't, maybe bringing somebody specifically in who can work with those children um, so that the teacher doesn't feel like now she's not teaching her whole class because she's focusing on one person, which is a struggle we have often too, is when we notice a child is maybe falling behind or struggling with something, if we put our focus on that child, then the other children suffer. And so we're kind of like weighing the odds of who should get left behind. And that's not something that a teacher should have to uh, try to make a choice about. Absolutely. And one of the things that I'm learning as, as a parent advocate is a lot of these accommodations can be for the whole classroom that can help the whole classroom. So it doesn't have to be, you know, if a child, so we know, for example, a child that has an FASD or a child with other brain-based diagnosis, they have difficulty with executive functioning, carrying out a task, being able to say, okay, do something and then having them do that. So if we did something, and, and I'm being very simplistic, this is just an example, but if we did something as simple as like do visual cues, you know, so say, okay, th this is, let's break it down into three steps. These are, this is what we're going to do. And maybe just write a number or a word just to get them through that step. Those are simple accommodations that don't require a lot. It's just the teacher helping the teacher to either remember to do that or to, you know, give them the tools, like you said, or the support to say, okay, that's right. When we do this, we need to, you know, put up the visual reminders or whatever, or have something in place. So it really can be something that the whole class can benefit from, not just that one kid. So, but again, like you said, if, if you're a teacher and you don't know, then you don't know. Or if you spend all your time focusing on helping the one kid, that's something that, you know, nobody wants to do because you are, you know, the other kids are, are not benefiting from that. So those, those are just really great points, Jess. I'm, I'm really, really thankful. First of all, I'm so thankful for what you do because what you do is very much, you are an unsung hero. And your work and your, your vocation really has just, I'm amazed, you know, I'm just, I'm a mom, you know, of a, of a young adult son and I homeschool. I, I can't even imagine, you know, what it's like to go in there every day and, and see what you've seen. So to that, I am, I'm thankful, you know, for you and I appreciate you. So we're talking about supports. We're talking about education. Anything else that you want listeners to know about what you see in the school and how it can, you know, what we can do to support you? Because, you know, 
we have listeners who homeschool. We have listeners who work in the public schools. We have listeners all over the globe, which I'm so thankful for. What are some things that you think are needed also to, to support these kids, especially the kids that we suspect have an FASD, but remain undiagnosed? Um, I would say the biggest thing would probably be, and I, and I don't want to sound offensive at all, but just, but to pay attention. Um, so often there are things that are happening right under our nose and we're just not aware of it. Um, I've noticed uh, with working with so many different groups of children that sometimes kids will tell you what they need even if they don't truly know how to say what they need. Um, we always talk about in our school how, how children are not always able to express certain emotions. So a child may say, my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. It's them, it happens when they're in a nervous situation. So they don't know how to explain that they're feeling nervous. So they describe it as a stomach ache. And so it's really learning the children that you're around to know like, hey, you, they probably don't have a stomach ache. So what is this happening when a certain thing? Is it happening when they're called to be on stage? Is it happening when you ask them to stand up and read in front of the class? Is it happening when they're in a high pressure situation? And so I think these children really need to be heard and be listened to. And more importantly, they need advocates. So whether you're their parent whether you're their teacher, to truly be an advocate for the child is to say, I'm going to continue to research and find the best ways to help my child thrive. Whether that's getting them diagnosed with something, whether it's just that they learn a little bit different or a little bit slower and they just need people to step back. Um, our children need to be heard and they need adults. They need us to step back and truly say, how can I best help this child? And if I don't know how, what resources can I reach out to so that I can find it out? I mean, like we talked about, I didn't know anything about FASD, but now that I know that this is something that is now one of the possibilities, it has been my job, you know, like they say, once you know better, you do better. So now as a teacher or as a parent, or whatever your position is, it is your job to make sure you are educated on these things so that you can best help your child because they're not going to be able to help themselves. Amen. And you just hit it right there. You hit it out of the park because no matter what role we play in a child's life, we always have to be their advocate. And so that's number one. And number two, I love, love, love how you use that example of a kid saying, you know, he has a stomach ache. Okay. What's the root, you know, and that's what we as FASD parent advocates are learning and, and people who work in the FASD community, what's the root of all this. So we know there's the lived trauma root, but is there prenatal trauma that, that is stemming from this, you know? So I love that Jessica. And I, I just love the spirit of advocacy that's in you. And, and I am just, again, I'm, I'm your, I'm one of your biggest fans now. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is awesome. So let's talk about some, let's talk about something really awesome. Let's talk about the role of our faith in these journeys, because we, you and I really, especially on, on your podcast, we talked about how our faith 
really gets us, carries us through. We cannot do anything without the Lord. We acknowledge, we know that, you know, God has placed us on these journeys for very specific reasons that we may not know until we go home to be with him. So let's talk about the role of your faith, because you've had this amazing journey and um, we have a lot of things in common too, which again, I am thankful that the Lord has put you in my life. We have a lot of things in common. Let's talk about your faith because I am sure that your faith plays a big role in all of the advocacy and all of the ministry that you have done. Tell me about that. Um, Well, I think you said it best when you said there's truly nothing that I could do. I couldn't do anything that I do if it wasn't for my faith. Um, It is literally what keeps me going. Um, I tell people all the time when people I mentor um, who are also working with youth that when you work with children, you have to be okay with not getting an instant result. So you have to be okay with uh, sowing the seed and believing that it will be watered and that they will bloom later on down the line. And that really what is what my faith has shown me because sometimes it can be discouraging. You know, you pour everything into a child, they leave your classroom and you may never see them again. And so you have to have enough faith to make sure that you are walking in what it is that God has you doing to know, okay, God, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. And whether I, you know, find out in 20 years that this child became president of the United States, or I find out in three years that, you know, they were killed. And that's, I've I've been in both situations where someone has turned out miraculous, and then I'm getting invited to a funeral. And when both times... I've had to really lean on my faith and say, okay, God, there was nothing else I could have done because I did everything that you told me to do. And so it's a lot of really having discernment and knowing how to pour into the children because sometimes I'm faced in situations where I'm like, God, I don't know how to do this. I just want to cry. I want to do more than I can actually do. Um, And so my faith has literally been the thing I can just lean on. And so whenever I'm in those situations, I'm turning to God, like, what would you like me to do here? And then I just do that. And, And I believe that however it plays out, I played my role in the season that I was supposed to be in that child's life. I love that. I love that. That is so so amazing because what you are, you, you are this gardener of, you know, you're a gardener of inspiration. You're this, this gardener, you you are planting these seeds and your faith is you're planting, you know, words of encouragement, words of hope, words of value, you know, to help these kids feel valued and loved. And then, you know, you're trusting the Lord to carry that child through to the next season, which I think is just so beautiful because as a mom, I mean, you know, our son is 19, but we know that things can change, you know, in the blink of an eye. And we know that a good season can easily become a a rocky season. So on a much smaller scale, we're planting seeds too, you know, and, and we have to have faith that those plants are going to, you know, come up 
Or if for whatever reason, the Lord, you know, is not going to allow that to happen, then we trust in him. And we know that there's a reason why. So, oh, I love that, Jessica. Oh, we're going to work together again. We are going to work. We're going to collaborate. So everybody who's listening is a witness that we are going to collaborate because this is just, this is too good. We we cannot, um, I want to help you. And I know you want to help others. So we are going to collaborate. So speaking of awesome, let's talk about what inspired you to start Unmute Your Mic podcast. Well, I, these kind of conversations, like the one me and you were having, is honestly what made me start my podcast. So I have just been having so many awesome conversations with people from different walks of life. It really was started from my love of like youth. Because when I would sit down and have conversations with them and I would hear their stories, I would be amazed that they didn't look like what they had been through. You know, it would be the child that was the happiest, the class clown, the one, and I would sit down one-on-one and they would tell me this story. And I'm like, there are so many people who have these stories, who have these things that they have overcome. And we just walk past them every day on the street. We walk, you know, we say, hi, how are you? And it never goes past that. And I truly believe that every person has a story. Every person has something that was placed inside of them that they need to share. And I also believe that we don't go through things just by happenstance for no reason. I've gone through a lot of different things in my life. And some of the most freeing moments I had is when God has allowed me to use my testimony to be able to say, hey, I went through this. So don't go through this. Don't make the same mistakes I did. And so in having so many great conversations, I was like, you know what? I really want to create a platform where people can come on and share the things that they you know, that they've gone through. And it was, it was interesting because I was like, well, will people really listen? And, you know, people like scandal and they like drama and they like that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you know, God told me to start it. I was obedient in that. And I have been so blessed by the conversations that I've had with people, you know, like the conversations I have with you, where it's like, not only are you educating, but you also have a story behind why you are doing that. And that was another part of it. I was like, everyone may not have this whole elaborate story, but when somebody is really passionate about something, they usually have a reason why. And so my, my job was like, you know, why are you so passionate about this? You know, cause I want to know, because even if it's just something that God placed on them, you know, there's a reason why, because God doesn't do anything just by, you know, for no reason. So that is why I started my podcast, um, because I wanted to hear people's stories and I wanted them to be, I called it Unmute Your Mic, because a lot of times we we struggle with things that we do not want to talk about because it's embarrassing. If you struggle with an addiction, if you went through a divorce, if you are struggling with infertility, these are not things that you always want to scream from the mountaintops, but being able to share those allow you to be free. And so the enemy can't torment you anymore and make you think that you're some crazy person or you're this, you're less than because you went through this. You use the things that are, that you've gone through, share them with other people. And now you're free. And so are the people who are hearing you. And that is why I created my podcast. Sorry, it was a little long. I love that. No, I am like cheering. You know, I, I muted my mic so I can hear you say, and I'm cheering. Like people can't hear me. And I'm thankful that I'm audio only because I'm such a goof. Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jessica. Yeah. 
but it's the truth. It is so true. And I love that. That's the focus of your podcast because everybody has a story to share and everybody has a story to tell. And it might be a little part of your journey, or it might be a big part of your journey, but whatever part that you feel that you need to share, it's for a reason, you know, and there's this wonderful quote that I've used before that, and I'm paraphrasing it, but when you share a page in your, in your journey, in your map, in your, you know, travel guide, then that becomes somebody, a page in somebody else's survival guide, you know? So what you're doing is, is you're planting another seed. You are planting another seed by sharing that story. So I love that. So tell me before we end on our hope takeaway, tell our audience how um, they can get in touch with you, because I know it's not only an audio podcast, but it's a video podcast. So share away. Well, you can find us um, at unmuteyourmic.org. So if you go there, you can literally find every way to stay connected with us. You can sign up for our newsletter. We have merchandise. Um, we are on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you can find the podcast or see a podcast. It's on YouTube as well. Everything under Unmute Your Mic. Um, and yeah, that's how you can, you can stay connected with me personally under Jessica Bell or Jessica Christina on Instagram. And I will be sharing all of those handles and all of that information in today's program notes. And you are brave, my friend, because I cannot do video. I like, you know, I saw myself on your, on your podcast and I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> so I just stick with the audio, but you are so like confident and you're so fierce and I'm just like, yes, yes. So I will be sharing all of your information. Um, on our podcast notes, because it really is such a wonderful, wonderful podcast. And the stories that you share um, the, of your guests really make a difference, especially in, in what you've done. So that's wonderful. So unmute your mic. I will list all of that information. So Jess, you know that I like to end um, FASD Hope you know, those two words don't usually go together, but that's how we are. I like to end on a hope takeaway. So for me, a hope takeaway is um, a word of hope or, you know, words of hope for our guests, for our listeners um, that can encourage them on their journeys and on their hard journeys. Um, what words of hope can you offer? Um, I would say if you are a parent, if you work with children, if you are around children, if you have the desire to work with children, um, you have the ability to truly make a difference in their life. Um, it is not by chance that you have found yourself in the job that you have. It is not by chance that you have the children that you have. It is not by chance um, that you have been placed in the position that you are in. And so I want to encourage you today to know that you have everything you need in order to really make a difference in that child's life. Um, whether it's the ability to get the resources or if you already have everything, children want to be heard. They want someone who's present. And I know that if you are listening to this podcast, I know that if this is your job, 
that this is a passion of yours and maybe it's your child, but um, I know that you want to do what's best for them. And so I just wanna encourage you that you have everything you need. Do not feel like you are less than because you are struggling. Do not feel like you are less than because you maybe haven't found just quite yet what it is that you need to truly help your child, but it will come. Um, God is always there. God is literally uh, will be your greatest asset in this journey. And as somebody who is not a parent yet, I, I super admire parents who go that extra mile to be there for their child. So I want to encourage you and just let you know that keep the hope, um, make, have faith and do not give up because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Jessica Bell of Unmute Your Mic. You are fabulous. You are fierce and you are on fire for the Lord. And I love <laughs> that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So everyone, you can get in touch with Jessica uh, through Unmute Your Mic. And I will be putting all of that information on today's podcast notes. And I will be keeping you all up to date on how Jessica and I will collaborate to hopefully educate and bring FASD awareness to her school and to the people that she works with, because this is a beginning. This is a beginning of some seeds that we are going to plant together. So Jessica, thank you for being on FASD Hope. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blessing. Again, I enjoy our conversations. I'm so glad that God saw fit to connect us when he did. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.